Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay. We are now the proud owners of a Roomba named Dexter, and it scares me now. We are not proud owners of a Roomba. You are the proud owners of a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's it's a scary deal, man. I don't. My wife talks to it like a dog. Like it gets stuck in a corner, and she says, "Like, what are you doing, Dexter?" And then you know what the scary part was? The really scary part? It talked back. No, no. I started to talk to it like a dog when it got caught with an ace bandage in its quote-unquote mouth and couldn't get out of a, a corner between the toilet and the wall. And I'm like, Dexter, what are you doing? I'm DT Catman, and I'm going to have my partner committed. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be the first one. <laughs> Uh, how are things, uh, DT? You know, I figured when I would retire, when I retired from the military, I would stop missing important things in my family's life. But no, that didn't happen this week. My kid was in a school play. Oh, she'd been working on it for months, and I wasn't able to be there. But they were going to go ahead and <clears throat> live stream it. I have a bad feeling that this didn't go as as they thought it would. So they're doing shows on Tuesday and Thursday. At no point did it ever live stream. Ever. Oh, so the school was going to live stream it. Shows each night. Uh, And the school was going to live stream this. Yes, and they had this weird partnership where you're logging in to purchase free tickets to this show and it never worked they never properly live streamed it i couldn't see it even though i was trying to you know do it from work oh no parents couldn't stream it from the comfort of their own home my sister couldn't live stream it from hers so we got nothing the best we got is my Darling Bride taking a couple of long-distance shots with the camera and a couple of video clips. That's horrible. Oh, I'm so yes. sorry. That that That's really disappointing. I, I mean, and I use the word disappointing, which doesn't even really describe it. I'm sorry. I'm DT Cavman, and I'm fucking pissed. Ugh. So that was supposed to be today, then. Yeah, and Tuesday, and neither once was I able to get on. The only silver lining to this is that nobody could get on. Right. So at least it wasn't my fuck-up somehow. Is there an opportunity to be able to buy the tape later on? Yeah, but they're they're selling it on Betamax, (laughs) and I don't have one of those. (laughs) You caught on. I'm glad. I said tape. Buy the tape. Oh, my goodness. You know why? Because I was brought back to my high school days where they would record them in the back of the auditorium. And I was the one that took the master tape and made copies for people. So we did not have that. 
Oh. Not that I'm aware of. I asked my bride to check on that. Oh, I'm sorry. That that's that's truly that's distressing and regretful. I'm sorry about that. Yep. So surely talking about Picard season two is going to cheer you up, right? Parts will. <laughs> even know how to begin because not even fark.com watch can, your language fark.com do you know them yeah if you go it's like a south american terrorist organization don't go that's, there that's f-a-r-q uh <laughs> fark is f-a-r-k they're a news aggregator out of kentucky no you putz f-a-r-c is the one in south america oh yeah, that, but I'd I stay away from it either. You know? I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> your your IP might be pinged or something. So. Right, which is why <laughs> I don't follow, uh, you know, the the great sci-fi, uh, you know, comedy podcast on www.alqaedainiraq.com. How do you know it exists then? Because I accidentally went there when looking for Al-Qaeda.org um, as a research process, but, you know. Wait a minute, they really have the great sci-fi podcast? <laughs> no. Because that'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it would at least show, uh, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> when I was in Iraq on my second tour, you know, you ever go to, the, you know, you get somebody's professional email, it has like their name their job description and their contact information underneath there. Yeah. So I had one and uh, one of my running gags, which I don't think anybody ever noticed, but you know, when I was on our secret internet account, the, the, the zipper network, this it's literally a secure internet. Um, so that was for, you know, strategic communications and there are certain things sure. you could send on regular internet, and then there are other things that were required to be, you know, things, you know, related related to the deployment and all this stuff. Anyway. It's like so, its own internet, right? Like, completely separate? Correct. Yeah. Anyway. At the <laughs> very bottom of my, <laughs> at the very bottom of my signature block, I also had a fake uh, Facebook account. <clears throat> S dot S dash Facebook dot, you know, with we, there's a certain designation for what, you know, websites that we were able to access through the uh, secure network. And usually there was like an either a prefix or an ending with an S. Yeah. Yeah. So I just put it in there and then I proceeded. And then when our, in uh, when our communications guy was doing our, periodic communications check I'm like hey is my signature block good oh yeah sir it's good take another look <laughs> wait what <clears throat> it's like wait a second is there a secret facebook page I'm like dude you're the combo guy <laughs> yeah i was gonna say oh my goodness it was what a complete, it was a complete joke that i just left there for like nine months 
That's great. That's great. Although nowadays there probably is like secret Tinder and stuff like that. Oh, there's a secret. Yeah, there is a secret Tinder for celebrities. No, I mean like it's like oh, swipe left for this intel. I know it's the this. One oh my one. god! <laughs> don't use Tinder for don't use Tinder for that. Use a different one. <laughs> like you use a secret. Uh, let's meet.com secret tinder for <laughs> yeah i'm swiping right on uh, <laughs> uh no, swipe swipe right on albanian secrets Ooh, let's, let's swipe Ooh, i'm swiping left what is i don't know is it i don't know which direction know. it is if you tinder. if you if you know any any function on twitter as a married man twitter? you're implicated I'm sorry, as Tinder, on Tinder. If you know any function on Tinder as a married man, you're implicated. Yeah. See? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is it swipe or wipe or do you use wipes or what is it? I hear I hear all this stuff about Tinder, right? And I first learned about it in 2014 during the, the Winter Olympics in Russia. And, like, there was a big story about the athletes all talking, using Tinder to hook up and everything and i'm like oh that's an interesting app and then like they went into talking about how college you know kids use it too I'm like oh that's interesting and then i'm like well what is this to how does that work and then i'm like oh i can't download that if i download that and make it an, an account i'm there's gonna be questions there are many questions about you yeah but that's not one of them Tip of the hat, my friend. <laughs> That's not one of them. So, <laughs> well, for a long time, I always thought Tinder was something that you would light on fire, but apparently, that is kind of the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Tinder, tin- Tinder the flame. See my cell phone, or as I like to call it, a Tinder box. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Bad puns are us. Oh. There it is. That's the classic DT pun right there. Well, you know. It's been a while. Been a while, actually. I should write those down. Yes. Well, what you also should do (laughs) is occasionally go back and re-listen to some of our episodes and realize when we don't do a follow-through. And there were some points of Picard Season 1, Episode 1, that we want, or Season 2, Episode 1, that we did review that we were questioning whether or not uh, came true. So, well, one let's, of the, let's one of the biggest fears I had as this as the series progressed was that the Borg Queen from the beginning was going to be Picard's mom. Obviously, that proves <laughs> to be false. Uh, before we go into it, do you think we need to do a quick recap or no? Do we just want to just like review it as it is? Because the people that are listening, if they're going to listen to this, they're going to know, right? True. But a quick uh, recap is things going good for Picard. Then things stop going good for Picard. He gets shot into the past where he has to deal with the Borg trying to assimilate the 21st century. While no, he gets the shot into a century. parallel universe. Oh, yes. That's and then right. he they goes back a, in they time. They do a quick side quest into a parallel universe that was like evil where he's hitler no he's not hitler he's hitler no because he's the commander seven was the president 
No, he, he wasn't exactly evil. All right, definitely. so he's got he's gobbles then, or gables or whatever. Gerbils. Gerbils. Maybe. Yeah, he's gerbils. Sure, we'll go with that. And seven is like the perfect picture of an Aryan person. So yeah. Yes. So anyway, they go back in time using the slingshot effect around the sun. The old Kirk special. <laughs> Which they did mention in the TOS, didn't they? They did mention that Kirk's Enterprise. Picard dropped the term Kirk's Enterprise like four times in this series this year. He is he is very learned in Kirk's uh, history, by the well, way. He's friend, he was friends with him, technically, for like uh... three hours. I wouldn't say friends. They were allies. Allies at best, probably. <laughs> sure, but you know, a man, you know, obviously people knew who James T. Kirk was. I mean, he recognized him as soon as he saw him. And, you know, the occasional reference, having met both Spock and Scotty, and probably McCoy. They don't really hint at it, but, you know, probably McCoy. Yep. Let me put yeah, he this met the, way. he met four, of the, four of the original crew. Yeah, a command, commanding officer uh, of any vessel or organization generally doesn't not meet a visiting uh, flag officer. Just that's not how it works. No, yeah. No, I agree with that. Hey, the general is here. <laughs> you know what? Corporal, you go. I'm not Was interested. he a general as a doctor? He was an admiral. They called him. Oh, he was an admiral. Yeah. He could have been the head of Starfleet Medical. He could have been. Shoot, dude. He could have been <laughs> the Surgeon General. Yeah, that's true, too. That's the thing. I know. I, it thought uh, it crossed my mind, too. All right. So anyway, so he met four of the TOS. Yeah. And, and so Picard goes back in time using the Kirk special. Please continue. Not the other Kirk special. Oh. <laughs> Ew. Anyway, <laughs> they go back. Two green chicks at the same time, right? You know, cute, <laughs> cute stuff. You know, um, you ever, do you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? No. Well, no. no original, I'm familiar with it. In but... like the first season, they actually had like a like an intro, like a, a voiceover narration. It's like into every generation is born, you know. So into every century is born assumed. Oh, seriously. <sighs> seriously, yes. And I don't know if he's born. It might just be a clone because they all look too. exactly the same. Cross my, and they act like jackasses, too. <laughs> we really should do an episode on rate, rating the jackassery of the Soongs. Uh Maybe just maybe do an analysis on Brent Spiner, really. On how he loves to play an asshole? Yeah, because he is one. <laughs> after seven years, or after whatever, 15 years of basically playing the same emotionless, but generally well-meaning individual... He loves to chew the scenery as somebody not him. Well, he, I don't know if you ever saw asshole. some of his original. Did you ever see him on Night Court where he plays this fucking bumpkin? Yes, I have. I've seen those scenes. Yes. 
So are you saying that Brent Spiner himself is an actual jackass in real life? I I am. Okay. And I'm asserting that. Because it's been corroborated by several other commentators, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe, but man, do I enjoy him. Yeah. Hey, William Shatner's pretty well known to be a gigantic jackass, too. Right. Well, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So that being said, so they have to go back in time to figure out where the splice in the timeline happened. And they have to go find the Watcher, according to this this Borg Queen that was captured by the Dark Mirror Universe. That's not the same Dark Mirror Universe. The fascistic universe, really. And somehow Earth was able to conquer all of the alien species. Not sure how that happened. But that's interesting. Balls. It took took a lot of guts. Probably took a lot of lives. But anyway. Um, so they go back in time. And they find. Was it Who was the Watcher? Was it the Laris impersonator? Talon. Talon. Yeah, that's right. Talon. Who is basically the next generation of Gary Seven from the original series. Not even the next generation of Gary Seven. It was a failed pilot. No, but you understand my point. You, I know what your point is. I know. And he knew he apparently knew Gary seven, by the way. Are there watchers now? In the 24th century slash 25th century, because they come from a very advanced species, but I don't know if their technology is as equivalent to. Oh, do you have beta cannon? You know, well, there is plenty of beta cannon about it, but. There was a beta cannon that. The Vulcan that was left behind on Earth at Carbon Creek eventually outlived his family and then became involved in the organization with Gary Seven. Ah. Gary Seven, the, the, uh, there was a novel about Khan Noonien Singh, which will come into discussion later this episode. Khan! Gary Seven. Gary Seven was heavily involved in the eugenics wars, by the way. In the book. He got promoted to Gary Eight. Negative. Negative. Negative eight. I'm shutting you down. I am shutting you down. I'm shutting you down. You you should not be satisfied with that at all. You are. You're laughing. You're laughing at that. I'm more laughing at What is wrong with you? You are losing your shit over bad puns. Oh my god, it was not a good pun. (laughs) I stand by it. You always stand by them. You never not stand by them. (laughs) You have to show commitment. Ah, That's the problem. That's why I should just never back down to you. That's the issue. I should never comply. Or comply. Resistance is futile, my friend. Uh-uh. No. Boom. Right back to Picard and the Borg. Yes. Go ahead. So they need to... Fu- they realize that the Watcher's been watching Rene Picard, who is having self-doubts on this very important mission to Europa. Not only that, but apparently she has anxiety. Well, she she, hit- she keeps she keeps failing and all the, the test... Uh, uh, was it the... Mission prep, prep. No, they're like, they're, they're, the, the pre-flight. No, the, they're, they're they're like simulations. 
Simulations, thank you. That's the word. She keeps failing every simulation. Three days before they're about to go, she failed the last simulation. She's in her own head. Of course. Which is everything Picard has been in his in his series is in his own head. Well, that was very apparent, yes. But you see him attempting to make steps. But, of course, Picard is... They're hiding out at old Chateau Picard on Earth. They're trying to figure out a way to get back home, or uh, as well as trying to figure out a way to save the future that they know and love. Rios disappears and ends up, uh, you know, basically becoming a... Uh, <laughs> about to be deported, works in a, you know basically hijacks a free clinic. Picard meets a version of Guinan. Q's always popping up and, and, and riling everything up, whether it's I feel increasing like backtracking. That's where we're at. He's, yeah. He's spinning up uh, obsessed, disgraced geneticist uh, Adam Soong. Yes. Who... Definitely does the extra deep dive of, of doing genetic creations of basically who becomes Sochi and Daj, his daughter Corey. It gets all a little jumbled. You have a guy who literally was in a Star Trek Voyager episode as a time cop from like the 30th century, come back, and he actually isn't the same guy I'll explain please because I missed that one so the FBI agent when Picard and Guinan get kidnapped that guy he was the temp he was one of the temporal uh temporal investigators in DS9 no oh no the Voyager the the time ships he was a time ship guy from the 29th century yep that was him well, it was the same actor, different I know name. it was the same actor. That's what I'm saying, because he sounded familiar. There was, like, some... I'm like, well, yeah, that guy important. always plays a cocky douche. Um, he's just very good at it. Then he, be- uh, he became homeless later in, in Voyager, in that, in that two-episode. No, they, they keep running into several different dudes. It was not the same guy. I thought it was the same. The homeless guy that said the end is nigh. He went crazy. No, it was. I don't know. I never watched it, but I know it's not that guy. It was a different guy. Future anyway. Tense? Huh? No, it was it wasn't future tense. No, it was not from that. No. Anyway, this this dude turns out he got first contacted by the Falcons, and he's been paranoid about alien species ever since. So he's uh, like doing. You? He's doing his own X-Files shit without the Bureau's permission. That's a That was a side quest that basically went nowhere. The only point was basically to get Q and Guinan in a room where Q explains he's dying and he's trying to, you know, ex-deuce machina MacGuffin side quest. Yep. Shit. Picard has to come to grips with the fact that the reason why he can't have any lasting relationships with females is because his mother was, you know, psychologically unstable uh, and would 
wrap him up and make her her whole world and then would have breakdowns and would jerk him around and he finally uh finds her that she she lets her out of her room after she has one of her freakouts where he almost gets you know lost in the catacombs underneath the old chateau and yada 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 she they're trying the husband who's trying to protect her locks her in a room, but she cons John Luke into letting her out, and she goes and hangs herself, and he finds the body. Yada, yada, yada. He hates his dad forever. It's misguided. He doesn't place any anger on his mother, um, who is very ill. Until he has this dream sequence after Data almost runs him over with a car, and yada, yada, yada. The, the supervisor is probably a Laris ancestor because they look exactly alike because that's how genetics work in the star trek universe the watcher yep by the way the voyager episode was um relativity yes so season five episode 23 Mm -hmm. which i don't recall seeing so i might have to watch that one yep anyway meanwhile the borg queen has hijacked uh, Gerardi, who then starts going on a bit of a mini rampage through L.A., um, trying to start her own mini board collective. And they have a big duke-it-out fight at Chateau Picard with her and her Borgie minions and the crew of the La Serena and yada, yada, yada. That goes sideways, and they manage to talk the Borg Gerardi into not murdering everybody, working as a partnership, being good people, then they take, then basically they merge consciousness, they steal the La Serena, and they leave. Leaving all of them on behind, the trapped 20, in the 21st century. First century. They still have Arguably to one of the crappiest centuries thus far. Yeah, although I think like the 13th century probably gives it a run for its money with like the bubonic plague and, you know, no no bathing and teeth brushing. The century is still young. Such a pessimist. Anyway. Three happens during this century, apparently. Don't let people hear that. Maybe it won't happen. (laughs) Andy Hoots. We get to the point where they have to go and make sure that evil data ancestor doesn't go and stop the launch of the Europa mission, which Renee Picard discovers a life form. Now, why would would Andy soon want to stop Adam soon? Why would he want to stop the Europa mission? Oh, yeah, because basically Q tells him that if they do stop it, then... Is it Q? Yeah. No, it's not. Yes. Q basically tells him. It's Gerardi. It is. It's Gerardi. Q tells him the first time. When he's he's teasing him with the treatment for his daughter. Who basically is allergic to outside. This is how much of a human I am. You are correct. Yes. Anyway. So he tries to do everything he can to stop the launch. That inevitably fails when Picard and Talon intervene and prevent him from 
stopping Renee Picard from going on the mission. He poisons Talon, thinking that she's Renee. Talon dies. Soon, basically loses. And uh, Rios decides he's going to stay with the pretty doctor and her son in the 21st century. Whom I initially hated because I thought she was cheating on her husband, by the way. Yes. Did you rewatch <laughs> Which... the scene? No, of course not. I don't I don't need to rewatch the scene. I'll trust you in your explanation on that one. Yes. Well, anyway. He stays. He actually gets a nice character send off. And then Picard, Raffi, uh, and Seven are whisked away by Q, who, by the way, he says, oh, well, if Rios isn't coming, I have a little extra energy for you. And poof. They return to the spot aboard the Stargazer right at the beginning where the Borg Queen is invading, yada, yada. And they have all this blah, 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 bullshit, space, techno babble, and boom, it's Gerardi Borg. Boom, Elnor is alive on one of the other ships. They agree, oh, hey, there's this other space deus ex machina problem MacGuffin here, and we need your help to stop it from wiping out the entire sector. So... Like 20, Bo- uh, 20 Starfleet ships in this weird Borg ship managed to stop this, you know, eruption, explosion, boom thingy from killing billions. And voila, the Borg apply for emergency membership to the Federation. Seven of Nine gets at least gets granted a temporary field commission to El Capitan of the Stargazer. And whew, we end up back on Earth. And Picard tells Laris, hey, don't leave. I'm kind of interested in in seeing um, where this goes. Oh, I'm pretty hey. sure he said he wanted to bone her. Pretty sure that was explicitly stated in that in that scene. You did re-listen to our vi- <laughs> I'm I'm pretty darn sure. Well, he did point at his trousers and go, what are we going to do about this? Anyway. Oh, and what we did forget was the surprise cameo by that uh, fascinating individual who uh, Seth MacFarlane refers to as Will Wheaton with Wesley Crusher coming back and, and sneaking up on evil Data Ancestor's daughter, Corey. And saying, hey, so I'm a traveler, uh, and we always are looking for new supervisors, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Talon and Gary Seven. So they're kind of interconnected. And voila, you want to join us? Well, shit, I don't got nothing to live for, big guy. Uh, let's do this. So Wesley gets a little nice piece, a little wrap-up. Definitely a surprise cameo. It was very good. It did come out of nowhere, and it was a well-kept secret. Thumbs up on that. It was nice. And okay. that's where we are. And that's Waiting where we are. Waiting for next year when Next Generation Season 8 comes out. Okay. So that's the summary, which took about 15 minutes, I think. Which was, that's a good summary for 15 minutes. Good job, man. So, that being said, what'd you think? I thought it was an improvement over season one. Mm-hmm. 
it had some actually very pretty enjoyable moments. Did not realize Allison Pill could sing like that. Nope. She did a very good job. Um, she definitely had a much better personality. And then she had a pretty interesting split personality. So she really kind of started to steal the show in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Kudos to, to that. Uh, definitely rebounded the Jurati character. Very much better than she was in season one. Unfortunately, it just proves that Jurati can become influenced by anything. Yeah. That's a that's a thing. They really let the actress let it loose this season. So cheers to that. That was enjoyable. And I remember one of your biggest criticisms of Jean-Luc Picard earlier in the in the when I was listening to the first episode was how rough and weak his voice sounded. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart's voice got stronger as the series went on. Except until the final episode. I was tired of talking. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But you're right. But they did a lot of ADR work. That's after direction work. So, um, which is interesting because I noticed that he did a lot of he. There was a lot of his quotes off screen. Like, like they did. We didn't see him talk. Like we we saw him, then would cut to something, and he was talking about something. Well, I mean, he is in his early eighties. Give the man a break. No, I, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, like, you're correct and I'm correct all, all at the same time. Yeah, well, so if they did a little adding in post, maybe to there's re- nothing wrong with doing adding in post, especially if they get that. a better recording later. Exactly. Which is what they should have done in um, Rogue One. Was it Rogue One? Yes, Rogue One with uh, Darth Vader. Oh my God! Well, James Old Jones the, the sounded that he very sounded asthmatic. Yeah, he did, but he sounded fantastic in Lion King, the new one. Maybe they just didn't synthesize it properly. Ah, uh, there was something wrong there, and I know there was an article about it later. But anyway, hey, look. I mean, was... that's not. It's a minor quibble. It's it's you know whatever. That that voice was still kind of creepy. No matter what, it was still Darth Vader, and it still got it did his thing, and he still did a dad joke. Be sure not to joke on your ambition, aspiration, I believe, or aspirations, or whatever. Which is an actual yeah. better term. It's a better pun. That is true. That is true. So, okay. You liked it. You felt it was an improvement on the first season. I well, agree. I mean, they they did better when it came to the the computer generation, the ships. It start you know at times you would have moments of more feel in connection to the original to earlier series. You know, yes. Did they did they throw a ton of hints and Easter eggs and whatnot? Sure. Did some of my predictions uh, not come true? Definitely. I did project that Q was dying. So 
That's what I No, think. and I don't think I disputed you with that at all. I, I agree with you on that one. So I think Q was dying, and I did get my wish that uh, Borg Queen was not his mom. Good. Love the great appearance. That it was Picard's mom, yes. I really like James Callis as Maurice Picard. It gave you a different look than what you see in Picard's memory in... Uh, what is it? Where no one, where no man is. No tapestry. No, 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 no. It was tapestry. Oh, maybe it was in tapestry. It was it his wasn't. mother in the tea set that he saw. In, in, in nowhere, where no one has gone before. Yeah, yeah. His his father was in tapestry. Right. In the white background. Right. That's, that's the common cue background. Right. Which I think kind of goes because that's more. It from looked Picard. just like his brother Robert, by the way. Right. <laughs> I think what you're seeing there, kind of like the way he's like, I always met when he, it actually fits when he talks to his mother. Like I always, I always imagined you like having tea with you when you were older. I think he said that in that episode or something like that, or yes, at one point or another. So while that's what we call it, a retcon. You know, I it's think a there was, I think there was a line in that movie where, uh, in that episode, the original episode, where I said, "I don't think she lived to be this long," or something like that. We'd have to go look. I can't verify that at all. Needless to say, though, I mean, they did enough tweaking that made it not totally canon breaking. And when you dive into his psyche, which they did a lot in this in this mm-hmm. series. You you get you can see from a young boy's perspective of obviously idolized his mother and didn't think that his father treated her well because he was like locking her up and then you don't see you know as a you know he's got this well he's almost a hundred years old and this stuff happens when what, he's like eight ten years old yeah so, a long time. Things. Horrible what? things that happen to a child that shouldn't happen in the 23rd century. Or the 24th century. Well, yeah. I, again, yes. De- definitely should have... His mother should not have probably been that untreated uh, by then. But still, whatever. I thought James Callis was great. I love Baltar. Yeah. He's, I mean, they, they've hired wonderful actors to be able to do these things. Um, Baltar was fantastic, and I love the redemption of his, his father that I saw in him. Well, that's um, very much in line with Patrick Stewart. Which we've talked about. Like, he realized that his father was a victim of PTSD. Yes, severe PTSD. Very severe. I mean, God, can you imagine what what was he in World War? He was in World War Two, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I know American troops suffered a lot, but I mean, the Brits. Well, I think his father was like a survivor of like Dunkirk or something like that. I mean, it was. Yeah. Like, like you're on to. your you're on the run, man. His and... father suffered through some very serious things like. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and do the research. But basically is what it boils down to is his father was basically a broken man. 
he, yeah. you're on the I mean, you're on the run. You feel like your country is about to, to, to fold. Right. And you, you're powerless to do anything to help that or to stop that. Like, that's going to break you. That's going to do something. And to his you. father stayed in the army, too, after the war. Yeah, probably for redemption purposes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So I mean, well, and and that's I mean, a grandiose. It, that's a grandiose generalization that I'm making, and I, know, I don't it, know. And one of the hard things for people to do is sometimes it's really hard to leave that life, even though you might want to, because it's the only True. thing you know, or maybe it was the only thing you were good at, or maybe. You know, when you try to go back to civilian life, people just don't understand. And then you're yeah. like, ah, I guess this is where I really belong. So yeah, it's you not go easy. with the devil you know. Yeah. But. Not to say that serving is the devil, but I mean, you go with. Right. Exactly. You're afraid of it being more unhappy at the new uh, on Enterprise, basically, you know? Exactly. So, anyway, you get to see that played out in this this season of Picard, which is nice. I'm sure it was very cathartic for Patrick Stewart. Extremely. And while I'm not entirely sure of the relevance to the plot <laughs> at, that at times it was, it was very well acted, and the story in and of itself was not a bad story. No. I mean, the the delve into it, okay, if we were going to go into it, it was all right. What would you have given Picard season one as a whole, the whole season? Maybe what, a C? Mm, no, D minus, maybe an F, honestly. Wow, that bad. It really had no point. It really had no point. There was no point to it. No one had any logistical like end game. At least in season two, there was an end game, and I'll explain that to you if you want. Well, there was a lot of there was end games for a lot of people, actually. But there none was... of it none of it connected in season one. No, no, no. You're right. Um, there was very few. I mean, basically, and the it whole... didn't even like resolve. Well, I mean, you had issues like the Romulans and Borg, which kind of were almost side plots to the main point of the the android stuff. Sure. And it was Picard's own redemption act in a lot of ways. Well, it was somehow Picard's redemption act towards data who was he was never a best friend of data in fact data annoyed him yeah but particularly well i mean it really by the second half of the series and into the movies you see it more of a mentor role but i think what you see with picard season one is guilt data died saving him whether Jack it was Crusher a, died under his command you don't see that same guilt. Yeah, you do. They bring it up several times with uh, both his interactions, his earlier interactions with Wesley, and then later when he and Beverly are psychically linked, and he feels guilty about having a crush on his best friend's wife. I stand corrected. You're right. 
No, those are good representations of guilt for Jack Crusher. You're correct. And there was definitely like um, when the kids. Uh, what, I'm trying to remember the episode. I watched it recently, where the kid loses his mother on the away mission under Worf, and then the aliens. Hero worship. Hero. No, that was the one where the kid tried to be like Data. Oh. The kid loses mother under the. I think that's. Are you thinking of two different ones? I mean, there's the. There's the 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 human that was raised by the certain aliens because the colony was destroyed. No, that that you're thinking of suddenly human. Yes, that's suddenly human. Oh well, that's interesting. I, so I, this... I'm drawing a blank. This is the bonding. That's the episode. The bonding. The bonding. What's that one? That's where it basically starts with like an Enterprise crew member being beamed up and dying uh, from an away mission, and basically, you know, the kid's already lost a parent, and he's and Troy's going in there and, and basically having to break the news that his mother died and. So he's alone and he's they're trying to figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden he starts seeing visions of his mother. And it turns out that it was an accident on the planet below. And then this basically like non-corporeal alien. Yes, that's are right. Trying to recreate it and they're trying to bring him back down to the surface to give yeah. him a life. And Worf is kind of trying to bond with Jeremy Astor. Aster, yeah. I just looked it up. So, yeah, where you have... And then later at the very end, they invite Wesley to come and talk to him, and Wesley basically admits that for a long time he was angry at Captain Picard because he came home. His father didn't. And, of course, then he invariably turns to Picard and is like, sir, I don't feel like that anymore. But, you know, you could see it affected Picard. You know, he understands, of course, but... Of course, yeah. But he, you know, all right. So we and, we spent we spent yes. we spent a lot of analysis on the Jack Crusher death, and okay, so fine, he was guilty of Data's death, and we got a resolution there, which made us all feel cool. good. He just felt guilty. It was Data's okay. choice. Okay, I I understand. I understand the 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 word difference. I get yes. it. So so I mean, that I think is really where it comes to it. I mean, he did, I believe, consider Data a friend, somebody he trusted, somebody he cared for, because he was as much, you know, later in the series trying to mentor Data, especially when you see him with him on the holodeck or when he's you're giving him when he's giving him finer points of command and uh, redemption and, and stuff like that. Certainly, he invested his time with Data in his uh, pursuit of humanity. Absolutely. Right. And then, of course, when you have him, and it's basically like always him and Picard and maybe Riker in the movies doing shit. So that's really where you get it. I mean, so I think you get some of it there, but, you know, it's it's that guilt. Now he's unburdened with that guilt, right? He's no longer feels guilty about the Romulans. He doesn't feel guilty about um, Data. But he does have lingering issues when it comes to women, which you see at the very beginning of season of season two. 
Right. But he's generally happier. You know, they, they have a montage of him during a very nice harvest season preparing wine. Then he's giving a speech at Starfleet Academy where he apparently is the commandant. So he's, he seems to be doing well in his professional life and his home life, but maybe not his quote-unquote social life. Now you basically see Picard reach a point where all three things in his life he's finally able to get over himself about. That's basically where season two Picard ends. Hmm. So, okay. But he so, also resolves his conflict with Q, basically. But I don't think he ever had a conflict with Q. Well, he Q never did. A- so, all right, let me bring these things up here, okay? I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And I will give you and a couple is, of answers. This is not an attack in any way, shape, or form. These are feeler questions, okay? Honestly, like, I... I I'm giving you the hard squint. You're you giving me the hard squint because I don't want to be an asshole about this, okay? When you preface it like that, it usually means you're about to become an asshole. No, because I, I don't want to denigrate anything that someone likes. That's, that's the problem. That's all so, you've been doing when we talk about new Trek at all, even if I like it even a little. You like it, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. I don't hold that against you. But... Here, here are my questions for you. What was the ultimate, and I hate to use this term because it, it's been brought up because of the Marvel world, but I've used it for a long time. What was the end game of Q's deal? Not end game, end state. There's a distinction. All right, we'll explain, but we, let's see. In the military, we use the term end state. What is the end state? Okay, what do you, what is the point you want to get to? Right. End game has a very final, like in a lot of ways, grim. Death kind of kind of feels pretty final. An end state is more of like what is the point you want to reach for this particular mission? Okay, that's what the end state is. We want to get yep. from point A to point B. We want to be in control of this little city. We want to take a vacation to Florida. Okay, that is the end state. How yep. Everything else is how you get there. So the so end, what is the end state of uh, of Q's gambit right now? What was I, the end state? I really it was he, it, he found Picard to be a very fascinating individual. He found Janeway to be fascinating. He his big thing was to push them to be the best examples of humanity. Okay. To think beyond the bounds of just what it is to be human, to be a mortal. Okay. And Picard, time and again, had to rise to the occasion. Okay. In many ways, I think Q was looking for equals or somebody who could challenge him intellectually outside the collective who as we've seen or the not the collective the continuum as we've seen in episodes of voyager just stagnant 
I think you and I are on the same page with the fact that he viewed Picard as an equal outside of the continuum of powers, as someone who is an intellectual in that sense. Now, my question during the entire time I was watching this show was, Q created this conundrum. He artificially induced the... He artificially induced the alternative universe. He didn't force Picard to go back, technically. Picard Beck went back went back in time on his own because he woke up in an alternative universe where he was a fascist Gables, Gar Gerbils. He was basically the hand of the Emperor, so to speak. Right. He was he was Darth Vader. Right, and he was, and he was, he was. exactly he was like the a, picture. He was more machine now than man. And he was exactly the picture of what we saw in Diane Duane's like dark mirror, right? You know. So, um, but Q instigated that. He started the whole thing, and then we see Picard go, "Q, is there something wrong with you?" We don't get an answer, and then we see Q every now and then throughout the series, like. Influencing Rene Picard, he influences soon. You know, he does these things ultimately to try to, you know, deflect, you know, deflect Rene Picard from being. A, he's he's her psychologist trying to talk her out of with such a shitty accent. Her was, mission, it, basically. No, 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 and we we can we can dismiss the accent. That's not the issue. No, the best part about but, it was it gave you that flavor of old mischievous Q. Sure, but I'm still sitting here going, why is Q doing this? Because this doesn't make sense. And then people died. Lots of people died. What what was it? An entire battalion of special forces. That maybe maybe a platoon mercenaries mercenaries a platoon of mercenaries died mm. a French cop died mm. like I mean there was there was I mean there were people who were affected by this like they, they destroy the LAPD car and they get chased down the road until they're transported out all of this all of this because Q who is dying doesn't want Picard to die alone. Now, he obviously... Hold on. Uh, Hold on. Q is dying alone. And he doesn't want Picard to die alone. So, he specifically mentions that because... Rios doesn't want to go back, which there is a butterfly effect, by the way, which they already talked about and all the butterflies they collected with all the, you know, tools that they have and stuff. It's okay for Rios to stay back. And yet they go. He was always meant to stay back and become his own grandfather. Never explicitly stated because it was never foreshadowed. Come on. He no, his own grandfather. Come on. No, it was never foreshadowed. Star Trek is better than that. 
We never saw a picture of Gabriel Bell. We never saw a picture of Gabriel Bell until Cisco. That was disappointing. The least they could have done in that episode is have a picture of Ben Cisco in the background. That's all I'm I'm asking. Why would you choose 2024 if you wouldn't toss that out there? (laughs) That's all I'm I'm saying. saying. You didn't even have to bring Avery back. I'm just saying. Q wanted to prove a point to Picard that he deserves to not die alone. The whole purpose of this season is that. And he allows at least 30 people to die, plus an innocent barkeeper from L.A. Who's a ginger. And he probably didn't have a soul, but he shouldn't have died. No, it's not. He, it's not because he was a ginger that he didn't have a soul. It's because he lived in Los Angeles. Okay. Q was cleansing L.A. It was a oh, little Jack. Sure. It was sure. a little Jack the Ripper sure. for me, but you know. Okay. So, all right. So here's my point. And here's my point. You had this wonderful point to make, like with Picard. You wanted him to stay. You know, you wanted him to realize that he he could appreciate himself and love himself. But all these people died because uh, Q did this. Now, all right, we'll get this. All right, fine. And then we realize, okay, when Q is explaining this to Picard, Picard's like, "You've always had my back." And Q goes, "Gods have our favorites. You are not God." No, and Picard doesn't even deny that. Picard doesn't even deny that. And he hugs him. He hugs him. He's never felt any camaraderie with Q. He's always felt a standoffishness to Q. And I ah, understand that it's you been remember the years. end of Tapestry. Uh, I've seen it a few times. What is, Riker, the, what is your point? And he's like, maybe Q did me a favor. When I saw the life that I was going to live without not having, you know, without having taken any chances, like I didn't want to be that man. So he, and of course, and of course, Q also kind of did him a favor with Cupid. All right, no, Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back, let's go back to Tapestry. Let's go back to Tapestry. How many people did Q kill? In 1991 TV, probably none. None. Okay. And what about Cupid? How many people did Q kill? I think he made sure that the guy who was the original voice of the Emperor died. Mm-hmm. Right. All I'm saying is... <laughs> he was the sheriff of Nottingham. He should have died. <laughs> I understand. I understand. All I'm saying is, this is oh, not... Oh, Jordy's loot. That died a horrible Just... death. Oh, yeah, it did by Wharf, by the way. Which Sorry. was a great... Which he apologized for. No, but that was from Animal House. I know. We all know that. It was it was great. It was an animal was house great. reference. You're subtracting from what I'm talking about, though. So here's no, my... I'm winning. No, here's what I'm talking about. 
Picard had good moments, right? They were great moments where we saw Girardi sing Pat Benatar. That was a great moment, right? Yeah. That was she, wonderful. She sung wonderfully. And they found right? a they found a dress to speak to the entire room. I am the center of attention. Right. No, it was and great saw, costuming because it was it it drew the eye no matter what scene. When she's running across the right. cars, you name it, it was She also stood by that <laughs> by that bar for eight hours until she was found by seven and uh Rafi. But aside from that point, so that was a great moment. It was another great moment when we saw the, the Borg ship the first time. That was scary. That was scary as hell. Yeah, and then but was the immediately before that, when you see all those starships and you see the new Stargazer, you're like, dude, I think they listened. Look at that. Yes. Oh, ooh, is that an Excelsior class? Is that a Galaxy class? And then we, we, we failed to see any other starships until the final episode. No, we didn't. We saw a couple. I think you saw like a Steam Runner class. All right. Well, when they yada, were being yada, chased yada. out of the bad universe and into the bad past. Oh, okay. That's fine. So three episodes out of ten, we saw starships. Oh, it's still better than for season one. All I'm saying is copy paste. There are it's copy paste. I feel nope. I miss I, I miss I'm describing this. You I, no. I do not see this premise being a very good premise, but it is peppered with good emotional moments in order to hide the lack of good premise. Well, was it the best plot? Maybe not. No. Uh, but was it a little more coherent than season one? Yeah. It seems like they were rowing in the right direction. They were forced to. Which was good. They were able to force themselves to do it. But I will say this. Yes. Did Q allow people to die? Sure. A lot of people. Am I really surprised, though, just based on streaming service and the time it's written in? Does that make sense, though? I mean, should that should that be an excuse? Well, that's not an excuse. Let me put it to you this way. For the most part, there wasn't as much horrifically terrible things this season as there was last season. No, there was no I being pulled out of each hip. There was no no hue being unnecessarily murdered. Right. And there was no creepy Romulan dude. Wanting to bang his sister or his sister wanting to bang him. Yeah, no, well, you're look, right. I mean, look, they were trying to go for a Game of Thrones thing, which or maybe holy Star hell, Wars. no, no, it was <laughs> definitely Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know it was, but he, everyone's like, oh my god, he's so hot. No, the dude looked like a meth addict with pointy yes. ears. I just and I didn't get him. He was like, he was a dead end character anyway. So I sent you an article. A few days ago. And I said, I want you to read this. And it was dated from last year. Did you read it? Oh, the apprenticeship thing? Yeah. 
Well, I told you about what happened to my week already, so I didn't. I was getting home late every night, and I still didn't get to see my kid. Okay, I'll respect that. I understand that. Okay, that's fine. So the gist of the article is, and this is from Variety, which is a major article. They're like a. a um, I, I know they have a lot of different things. No, well, they're they're like a um, a foghorn for a conglomeration. Hollywood. Yeah. Perhaps a smorgasbord, a buffet, the big, maybe? The big thing of it, and I talked about this briefly in episode 51 of our, our show, is with the advent of streaming and with the need for so many shows, there's not enough time for writers to be apprentices with showrunners, experienced showrunners, and to be on set to see their creations happen. And because they don't see their creations happen and be tweaked, they don't understand. Like, like, and, and by the way, because the writers are not, and because of binging and everything, writers are on a shorter contract, so they're not allowed to stay on the show production anymore. And so they're not able to help tweak the script to make it better as the production happens. Could be, you know, because a script is never going to be perfect, even if it's in its final draft. You'll get examples of when it's close, when you get those epic episodes. Understood. Of Understood. But there are still whole scripts where they're like, oh, well, what they are basically doing now is they're writing first drafts and they're sending them to the, the showrunners and then those writers are gone. They have to go on to another uh, show because they're not being paid anymore. I think this is where streaming is starting to eat itself. It is. That's if exactly you go it. to regular TV and you watch some of the live action or well, if you watch some regular tv they're actually starting to get better because they're building again yes go ahead and watch one of the procedurals like chicago fire the chicago the one chicago franchise they have characters that build you can tell that they have they have the same showrunner it was the arrowverse too Greg Berlanti and his group. Yeah, no, agree. They built, agreed. and they were, we're talking 20 episode seasons. Okay. Absolutely. Which like they sat every there. Every season had a long running story arc, too. And those showrunners apprenticed, which, by the way, the term showrunner was not known by the general public until 2005. Yeah, but you, you really did. I mean, you didn't hear much about it. I mean, yeah, you knew like who. Like in Star Trek, it was like, oh, it was Gene Roddenberry. And then after that, it was, oh, well, it's Rick Berman. Yeah. He was the producer, though. He wasn't the showrunner. He might as well have Rick Times. But that's the point. Well, he was, was he basically the showrunner on Next Gen? Yeah. Rick Berman? Yeah. After, no, no, no. Actually, okay, hold on. Maybe after season two, like starting season three. Yeah. Because because you saw you saw chaos on the bridge, right? Right. And then there was like Harvey something, not Harvey Bennett, but 
Well, you, you had saw a, a couple showrunners that were. Yeah, you got the you got the skeezy lawyer, and then like, yeah, shoot, I don't remember their names, but they they did interview an older guy who was not the skeezy lawyer. Yeah, who set I, I season two more on a direct, better path. Oh, what Maurice Hurley, right? Maurice Hurley. It was Maurice Hurley. Right. And he hated the show. He he wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. Right. But then you but have, he like, used his talents to make it a better show. Right. And then you had Deep Space Nine, which kind of started with Pillar and then eventually became Iris Stephen Bear. And then you have like Jerry Taylor was kind of running a good chunk of Voyager, right? Yep. So and then it Berman kind of had his hands on Enterprise and was spinning around until, well, who was it, Manny Cotto? Yes. Who ran Enterprise, particularly the last two years, where it actually got to be a lot better. I felt like, he, he, who did he run it with? There was like, it wasn't Diane Dwayne, but it was um, oh, the, another. The, the Judith and uh, Reese Garfield Stevenson, didn't they? Yes, they yes. Came, they, the, the prominent authors. Prominent novel writers, yes. Yeah, didn't they Star come Trek. on in like season four? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I want to bring up to you again when we talk about Strange New Worlds. But. Yes. But my point being is we oh, have. Point? We, well, we have a lack of showrunner experience. And we have a we have a lack of writers being able to sit there and watch the live action happen, which is what happened all the time up until about five, six years ago. You know what? You know what they should do? A showrunner should go ahead and accept, like, if they're going to do a streaming service shorter season with a long-running arc, go ahead and, like, plan out a 20-episode season and then just start paring down all that fat. But here's the problem with that you don't have the ability to be able to change it as the season airs. Ah, yes. But that's why everybody's going balls deep into these existing IPs. Well, that's that's the whole so issue, They can though. just go off of it. I mean... But, but okay, okay. Hey, all right, Star all right. Trek aside. Ah, at, my head look, hurts. Look, okay, at, look at Netflix. Any fantasy uh, thing... Is turned into a show. The Witcher, that and once The Witcher became a hit, then there was a ton of copies. And they're like, "Oh, well, let's check." And then the it take a video these... game. It's a takeoff right. of of Game of Thrones. Yeah, kind of Lord of the Rings. E. It was a summer. Game of Thrones slash Lord of the Rings kind of thing that they could yeah. invest in. So along with Shadow and Bone. Right, but The Witcher. That that they managed to strike some gold on, so then they're like, "Oh well, let's shadow and bone. Let's do this." Particularly, like these European books that are becoming popular. You know, that that people are like. Well, I mean, we'll go ahead and dig out this, you know, young adult series or this whatever. Your point. What's your point? Is that there seems at times to be a lack of originality. Of, there is an absolute lack of originality because they want it. They want a guarantee. Well, it's kind of like when you watch um, a professional sports league expand to have additional teams. Yes. For a period of time, 
there's going to be a watering down of your rosters. Of course. Before the feeding system catches up. Compensates for it. Right. Right. Because if you look look at the NFL right now, okay, you got 32 teams, right? There's hundreds of college programs. Right. Division one college programs. And that's their feeder system. So it's like, okay, we'll, we'll take this, 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 this guy, right? I honestly feel like the college system feeds itself rather than feeding the NFL. I feel like the NFL feeds its own self. There are very rare circumstances in which a head college coach is successful as no, a I'm head not, I'm, I'm not so much talking the coaches. I'm talking the players, right? Okay. So, you go from, what is it, like 250-some-odd players are drafted. Well, I'm talking year. about the coaches, though. Right. but, but well, Let's talk about is, the coaches. If you were to go ahead and add two, well, same thing with coaches. If you were to go ahead and add, let's just say the NFL expanded from 32 to 36 teams. Now right. you have that many more people, that many more coaches, and maybe at least at more, first. Two, um, 200 plus more players. Right. And like. 60 plus more uh staff right so now you're now they're for at least in the short term you'll start to you'll see like i think a watering down of the the talent pool okay that that's my analogy here that that's all i'm saying but you're right. There is, there is, it does appear to be, and there's a lack of patience. I mean, this isn't just like when you have a shitty TV pilot that goes out the window. But even relatively successful series are getting axed. I mean, look at Space Force. Season one had some mixed Space reviews. Force was never advertised for its second season, by the way. I just found out yesterday. That it was canceled. It was. It was not as well advertised. I didn't even know it was. I didn't no, even know it was available. I had I, no idea. I knew it was coming. I'd seen a few things, but I was also on the lookout for it. I heard it was coming. I never heard it came out. Well, can I Until get to my point, please? Yesterday, I looked that it was canceled. But anyway. So they, they pushed it really hard in its season one, and it didn't have... I guess it didn't hit the ratings that they wanted. Now, critically, season two was way more well-received than season one. And so, and it, it was a couple episodes shorter too, but it was very well-received. And, and of course, when you have such big names attached to a, a limited series, then you can worry about salaries expanding and getting out of control. Not to mention conflicting projects because one of the key, lead, one of the key characters in, um, in Space Force is Tawny Newsom, who's also the voice of Mariner on Lower Decks. Ah, uh, yeah. Completely different personality, though. Oh, completely. But that, that that's my point, is that, you know, you'll see... I mean, that one had the ability... I mean, they left it on a cliffhanger. I thought that season three was a get-go, but anyway... Well, we're spiraling well, out of control and away on. from our topic. No, well, well, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. Because Netflix has already realized that its algorithm is a problem. 
they've already like changed their cultural they they put out a big cultural like uh memo and it pissed saying, a lot of people off no well they're they pissed off their employees and they said to their employees basically we're not going to censor the artist at this point their viewers have a lot of different tastes and we will trust the viewers to choose what they want to view if you are they literally said this. If you are offended by anything that is coming out of our programming, maybe Netflix is not the place for you. This literally came out today. Well, I mean, a lot of this, you could start hearing rumblings of this with the whole Chappelle thing, which, right? you know, and, and when you watch the show, basically a, a lot of it... Kenny, is he saying some things which I think are definitely controversial? Sure. But he's definitely also pretty angry at the cancel culture, too. Both. But, and we're not talking about Chappelle. What I, what I am saying is there is bad We're not talking writing. about our topic right now. I'm um, getting back to it. There is bad writing in Picard. And what they do to hide the bad writing is to have these emotional moments. Like that moment with Q at the end where he says, Picard, even gods have their favorites. I felt that. I was affected by that. But I felt weird after I saw that. Okay. Because, because it was all in my head, and I'm piecing it all together. Like, why did Q do this whole thing in the first place? And it, it was a bad premise. It was bad writing it all over. You there were about to say something. There was definitely some plot holes. And but they some... fill it with emotional moments. Or or Easter eggs, which, by the way, I'm fucking sick of Easter eggs, by the way. Ah, tone it down. No, I am sick of them. I am sick of the Easter eggs. Don't show me Easter eggs. Don't show me references to previous episodes. Stop it. Build upon your own discourse. Uh, you know what? I will, I'll give you that part. I disagree with you on the Easter eggs. I don't mind some Easter eggs. What I do like is when Easter eggs pay off. Easter eggs are great. They're fun. But when they rely on them to hide the plot holes. Well, and I well, and I hate to say this. I hate to say this. No, I'm going to tell you this. To say this. No, I, uh, I hate to say this. I was a big Wesley Crusher fan. I am still a Wesley Crusher fan. And when they brought him in. Do you know what my first words were when I saw him talking to Cora or Corey, Corey or whatever? Corey, Corey, whatever. Are you fucking kidding me? That was my first words. Because well, because it came out of nowhere and she was a useless character. She had no point to the entire I plot know, I at all. I liked her more than the other characters that that actress Of course played. you did. Of course you did. She, as the actress, had no point in being there whatsoever. They could have done it on a molecular level. Here's what's awesome, though, is that you could actually see those two story play out in Discovery. I am not interested. I'm not, because it's ham-fisted into Picard. Everything is ham-fisted now. 
Okay, so are we supposed to accept that? No. No. I if I'm gonna have, if I'm gonna watch something ham fisted, I'm gonna want a full course meal around it. Ugh. I would want potatoes around that. Yeah, like Easter. Ugh. A nice Easter ham fisting. Wait, what? Oh God. <laughs> Back away now. <laughs> Are but we my not point saying phrasing is, anymore? Phrasing, I know, right? <laughs> we aren't. Look, you are filled with so much rage. And I, it's I, not I, rage. Stop. It's just let me okay, get a fine. point. I, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. Christmas. Okay. So, yes, I. I it, and a lot of your points are warranted. I won't deny that. Was Picard's writing coherent at times? Not always. Do they throw a few Easter eggs and maybe a few emotional scenes that were a little disjointed while good were kind of disjointed and didn't have the whole concept? Sure. But again... Right now, I'm willing to take wins where I can get them. Okay? I get it. Am I going to go ahead and binge watch Picard? Maybe not. Okay? Will I still go back and rewatch The Next Generation? Hell yeah. Am I going to be disappointed that there will be no season four of Picard? Probably. Because I love watching Patrick Stewart. The man is a fucking icon. I agree. And he can still act. Whether his voice is fading or not. He can still act. He can still pull you in. I'm not critiquing his voice at this point. His. Whether the writing is not good. Did you ever, we've talked about honest trailers, right? From time to time. Uh, from screen screen rant, screen junkies, yeah, oh, yeah. screen junkies, yeah. Very at times, absolutely hysterical and, and dead on. And they did, they did the uh, honest trailer for the next generation. It was just oh, prior. It was fantastic. To, it was, but <laughs> like talking about world class actor Patrick Stewart. Get, you know, performs acting way better than Star Trek deserves. Basically doing lines where it sounds like somebody fell asleep on their keyboard. And it's like yeah. all the stuff he would do in other languages. But then you <laughs> see like him breaking down. Uh, there are four lights. And then when he's suffering from all of Sarek's, uh emotions coming through. Yeah. Uh, the, like, the, yeah. Maybe... Maybe. That syndrome is right on the tip of my tongue, by the way. I can't, I can't. Bendy syndrome or something like that? Or... Uh. Needless to say, Patrick Stewart may be the best actor to ever appear in Star Trek. Probably the best trained. Agreed. Kirk. I mean, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ, Shatner, William Shatner has a certain style of, of acting that is it's amazing. mostly just being it's him. not hamming it. No, 
no, no, no. I, there are subtleties to his acting. Really, mostly just being Shatner. No, no. Now but it is. And now early it is, but... trick when he could get into those passionate speeches about why. Watch the don't. motion picture. That was better. That. Wrath of Khan was it was excellent in Wrath of Khan. Oh my god, yes. Even if you oh. take away points for the Khan! Which, nah. Nah, you can't. You can't. That was a moment. That was a moment. But I would argue, okay. Oh, and now we just get to the classic argument of Kirk versus Picard. All right, well, whatever. All right, so let's not go down that. Let's not. All right, I'll 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 take it. I'll take it. I'm not going to argue with it. That's fine. That's your opinion, and it's a good opinion. It's a good opinion to have. I I would go ahead and place Avery Brooks in the top five, if not number two behind Patrick Stewart. Sure, because when you get to see him kind of lose his mind as Benny Russell, when you see him go full bad guy in our man Bashir. We're not not talking about the best actors, though. But my point is, at this point, at times you can get great characters in TV series that suck. You can get great TV series that has weak characters. John Delancey played a very good Q in this show. Delancey's Q was way more intense. And these were all, most of these people were very good actors. Rafi as a character, I still, she is not a good character. Like she she is is terrible. She's a little rough and they don't. It's a terrible character. Nothing for Elnor. Seven, there was no reason for her prosthetics to suddenly come back out when she was infected by uh, Girardi. There's no reason Girardi. for that whatsoever. Girardi. Girardi. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They all know what I'm talking about. You can still sound like a professional. <laughs> I would like <laughs> to have a hamburger. <laughs> A lot of people <laughs> knock those Steve Martin ones because I am a rabid got it. Pink got Panther it. fan. <laughs> I love Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau. I appreciate the tact that Steve Martin tried to take with it. I do. Yes. Because <laughs> if, you, if you rewatch the original Inspector Clouseau, you realize as the series went on, he got more incompetent, which of course just got more off the wall, but also yeah. it was pretty racist. Oh, of course. Uh, it's a yellow friend, Kato. <laughs> but I could, <laughs> I could watch those Pink Panther movies all the time. I have like the entire collection. I got my wife uh, on board because it's, it's just so absurd most of the time. And how he can play that character so straight-faced. Yes. So, but anyway, getting back to the point we were on. Look, Picard is this, I'd give season one a C. Season two, I'd probably give a B minus. I'm giving it two letter grade, two bumps up. You gave the, the, you gave season one 
of of I'm sorry. You gave episode one of season two an A minus. Yeah, because it was a good episode. And, and you're giving it. season two a B minus now. The entire season, yes. Now because there were some lulls, and there was definitely some stuff that dragged at times. I have to ask you. And to be honest with you, man, we do the whole Borg assimilation thing to death. What I did like about this was like proto-Borg. At least they were giving you something different that you hadn't seen. Right. I'm okay with that. I, I All I can say is that they never explained it, but I could assume it is a different collective. Yes, than the other. it would have to be. Because if you remember, there was a different collective that Hugh shot off. Right. So That's I the mean, only thing I could think of. That's the only thing I could think of. So, but, that being said... I, I just... I don't, I don't like to watch my heroes die like this, man. I really don't. But they didn't die alone. No, no, it's not even that. It's not even that. Look, it's always a risk when you come back and revisit an IP, particularly with people so far afterwards. It's a risk. I mean, but I have but to it's, physically uh, tell myself that the Picard from TNG, as I watch a rewatch a TNG episode, which I don't rewatch New Trek. I don't. I have no desire to do it. I watch it as a chore. I've rewatched them. <laughs> some lower decks. And that's fine. That's you. And that's great. I can understand how lower decks is rewatchable. And because lower decks is probably the most loyal of the new treks as we got. But and I acknowledge that I, I have, by the way, you remember. But. I just I have to remind myself, I have to tell myself these are not connected to the TNG. Because if I do. TNG Picard is just not the same Picard. And these are characters that got me through some serious crap. Oh, I know. Like, I mean, their reality helped me get rid of my reality for a little while. Oh, I know. I know, man. You know? I, I mean... Trust me, look who you're talking to. I literally was, you know, in war zones... Binge watching some of these older series and I'm in rough spots trying to rewatch the news, trying to watch the new stuff. And I was in Saudi when I watched season one of Picard, and it gave me some comfort hearing Patrick Stewart. again. And it comes to those moments, it, there are great moments in Picard. It's just, it's just, yeah. I've already well, explained my position. I, 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 I'm going to give it, I, all right, I haven't given it a grade yet. I'm going to give it a D plus. But you're going to give it like a, uh, like a point grade of like 72? Because that's usually how you work. <laughs> like your letters. No, point, your point grade. Oh, shit. Wouldn't, well, wouldn't a D plus be like 68? Something like that. No, yeah. I'm going to give it a D minus, so 61. Oh, this is the first time that you're 
your numbers and letters have been anywhere close. You're like, you're I'm going to say it is like a 75. You're right. Absolutely. I absolutely did. I did deviate from those numbers the last time. Didn't wow. I? This one was actually very <laughs> accurate. Uh, at least you can, it's like, Oh, the convergence is happening. You are. You're right. And I did an entire episode on convergence and in my entwined podcast, by the way. So take a look. Look, um, we talked about the trick that's disappointed you. Can I just say now, before we wrap our episode, I've got to go ahead and, and give you a sh- give my initial review of the latest series. Two episodes in, and I am hooked. Okay. Of strange new worlds. All right. So I okay. I'm not going to say anything about Strange New Worlds. I want you to say it all. Uh, we've got like 10 minutes left in this show right now. So I want you to tell me everything. I haven't seen the second episode. I saw the first one. I'm not going to spoil season or episode I know you two. won't. I know you won't. It's good. And it's actually so very Uhura-centric. Go, go ahead. Talk about what your thoughts are and your feelings are in Strange New Worlds. And we can probably talk about that in the next episode because we don't have enough time. Uh, I, we've both agreed that Anson Mount was one of the best parts of, well, you said it was the only good part of uh, season two of Discovery. Uh, I freaking love Anson Mount. He is, Anson he was Mount, born to be a Starfleet captain. The more he plays Pike, the more comfortable he gets, the more natural he looks in the center seat of the Enterprise. Yes. And I love his Christopher Pike. Oh my yes. God, is he enjoyable. Pike is witty, but he's not so wound tight at times. He's read a couple supervisor books, like how to be a good supervisor. He is a really good boss. Yes. That is a commanding officer right there who you do want to follow. He has got a bit of a, I wouldn't say a cult, but he has got some serious loyalty from a lot of the crew on his ship. You watch that in episode one. You get to see more of it in episode two. Um, he's got this kind of relationship with his first officer that you see more with like a bit of a Kirk and Spock kind of deal. Like where they're like hanging out in each other's quarters and sharing a drink and, and talking mm-hmm. about stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Pike treats her as an equal, even though he's his, his subordinate. Well, didn't didn't Kirk treat Spock as an equal? He and looked not, up to Spock in certain circumstances. Right, and I'm not saying that, it, you know, because as rocky as a start as they had Kira and Cisco by, you know, like season three or season four were pretty tight, you know? The one yeah. well, well, wrinkle that see... that relationship has is that Kira is still awkward, is still somewhat put out, not maybe not put out, but there's still a, a level of uncomfortableness around Cisco because of his status as the emissary. Okay, so we're we're but seeing an established relationship at this point. We with, are with number one and and there's there's no meeting here. Every other first officer captain we see is basically a meeting. Yeah. Okay. 
with the exception of, well, I mean, technically, even in the original series, was Gary Mitchell the original first officer of Kirk's Enterprise? Mm. And then Spock absorbs the role? I can't, I can't answer that. Needless to say. Didn't Gary Mitchell get like God powers? That was the God powers. And yeah. Where no man has gone before. Yeah. So needless to say, you, this is most of the time you see people meeting each other. This is, they are bringing new people on, but you actually see a crew that has been in space together a while. Spock. And they're established. Pike and Una are all have served together for at least a little bit. So there's a comfortableness there. And the more I see Ethan Peck as Spock, the more I'm starting to like what he's doing. And I learned he has got some serious acting lineage. Ethan Peck is Gregory Peck's grandson. Oh, shnikes. Serious acting chops in that family, then. Huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Now I got to look up who Gregory Peck is. To Kill a Mockingbird? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 12 o'clock high. That's an amazing. <laughs> oh, that was a great one. Wasn't, um... Oh, no, I'm thinking of High Noon with Gary, um... Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. 12 yeah. o'clock high was um, about bombers during World War II. It was actually filmed like in 1948 or something like that. It's uh, yeah. It was very good. In fact, they used they used uh, clips of the movie in my uh, my last professional development course in the Army, the Command General Staff College. Really? Where they showed scenes from that about different styles of leadership and uh basically how to you know and, and ways to revitalize a, a unit and such it was an interesting it's a fascinating movie it and is a, fascinating and a lot of the people in the movie were based on real characters or real what, life people what's the name of that movie again 12 o'clock high 12 o'clock high mm-hmm. excellent movie here it is i gotta look that i i gotta I need to watch that. That's an important movie. Ah, and I believe in like a a 50s or 60s version, Gregory Peck played Captain Ahab in in Moby Dick. And then in 2000 or whatever, when Patrick Stewart played uh, Captain Ahab in uh, uh, like a TV movie of Moby Dick, Mm -hmm. Gregory Peck. Had a small role in that movie. He was Father Mapple. Yes. Yeah. At the very beginning of the movie. And I knew it. I knew it. Gregory Peck played Lee Heller, the lawyer in Cape Fear. In the original Cape Fear? No, the first. No, 1991's Cape Fear. Oh. Wow. Yeah, it was a cameo. It was a cameo role. Okay. Okay. So he was a lawyer for... The lawyer in Cape Fear, who who played that lawyer? Shoot, it was a well-known Nick Nolte. Was he the in Cape Fear? Yeah, it was Nick Nolte, Sam Bowden. Yeah, yeah, he was he was Sam Bowden's lawyer. 
in Cape Fear. Like, I, I can't do anything. He's not doing anything wrong. Illegal. Like, <laughs> that's a movie that is so frustrating. The the modern Cape Fear. That, that, re, that is one of the few instances of modern remake that encapsulates the original and doesn't replace it, but helps it. Mm. Yeah, Gregory Peck was a uh, fat, was a fantastic actor. Oh, such a such a jewel in Hollywood. Such a jewel. Mm. Man. He he and he won the best actor for To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. yeah but he was nominated right. five times. And <laughs> his grandson is now Spock. Well, that's fascinating. It is. And he's been actually, <laughs> he's brought fascinating back. That's interesting. You know, look at this. All right. My grandfather was born in 1927. Gregory Peck, he, he was born in 1916. Yes. And yet we've got Ethan Peck. When was he born? At least 10 years younger than we are, right? Five. Wow, he's older than I thought. He was born in 1986. He's not. He's he's 36 years old. He's not that much oh, really? younger than we are. Oh shoot. Well, still, that's like a big discrepancy. Well, my family's Catholic, so is yours. So, <laughs> even though that doesn't that doesn't unite Look, us. Look, I but... <laughs> had one grandfather born in 1908. Just remember that. I understand. I understand. And she's still around and kicking. My grandfather, <laughs> oh, 17 years older than my grandmother. My apologies. He was apologies. born in 1908, and he died in 2004 at 96. Jesus Christ. Okay. My grandmother is still alive and kicking. She's the one that's still kicking. That's right. She's <laughs> going to be 97. Just saw her last weekend. <sighs> Mother's Day. It was great. We could all hope for genes like that. So yes, we can. But needless on that say, note, I know you weren't sold on Ethan Peck. He's really growing on me. Okay, you're not seeing as much of the the stuff in Discovery with him, with all the whatever. You are still seeing him growing into what Leonard Nimoy will be. But I don't, if if you watched last week, what did you think? I will talk about that in our next episode. Okay. Well, needless to say, I am very much enjoying it. And last week's episode, the pilot, has nothing to do with this week's episode aside from learning a few more things about the new about the characters. It is kind of it's very Uhura centric, but the only things that are really lasting from previous things is Pike coming to grips with his impending mortality. Right. Which we're going to talk about in detail next episode. Oh, man, I love this show. I really do. I am uh, I am on board. I've watched, you know, watching Discovery, watching Picard, watching uh, Lower Decks. Nothing has felt as close to the Star Treks we grew up with than this. 
because one, it's definitely episodic. There's some connective tissue, but it's episodic. They have a diverse group of characters, but it's they make it feel more. They make it feel natural. I mean, I love the fact that they have an Anar as the chief engineer. All I gotta say is, as we wrap things up, as you watch Strange New Worlds, <sighs> damn it, sorry. This week's as you episode watched, was a good Star Trek episode, and I can't speak for it. I can't speak for it, it. The writing, I thought the writing was very good. Good, and that's great, and and that, I'm great for that. I'm grateful for that. I want that. All Just I can tell say me, is, did you like last week's episode? And I know we talked a little bit about the one or two moments that might have felt a little heavy-handed. I didn't get say. I didn't get any feeling feel about that in this week's episode. Anything I have to say, I'm not going to say right now. Yes or no? It's an easy question. Did you like it? It's you better. To... It's better. But all I can say is, be careful about be careful about the nostalgia and the Easter eggs. There wasn't a ton of Easter eggs. That's great. There were there were quite a few in the first episode. Yeah, and I think that's just part of the establishment. Quite a few. Quite a few. Unnecessary, by the way. Like unnecessary. And we'll talk about that later. I I don't recall there being a ton of what you might feel crammed in Easter eggs. At anyway, that I, I want scrambled eggs right now. Okay, Fraser. Yes. <laughs> Baby, I hear the booze are calling salads and scrambled eggs. <laughs> Baby, I seem a bit but baby. Really do I wish got you got more of Kelsey Grammer <laughs> as Captain Morgan Bateson. There's a great cameo in salads and scrambled eggs. Shut the fuck up. But you let me get my fucking point across. Nope. Because you brought up Kelsey Grammer's song. So there you go. I'm done now. I'm done now. You brought it up. I said I wanted scrambled eggs because you were talking. I was talking about Easter. I'm just saying I would have loved to have seen a little bit more from him. He's such a fun actor. Put him back in the Starfleet uniform. Let's see him again. He was born to be a Starfleet captain. Holy hell. He would have been a pretty good... I think he, he would have done a good job in the center. He chair. would have been a commanding officer. Holy He would have hell. also done a pretty good job as a... As a... As a... You could have had him be like the next outsider character. With his Ooh. sideshow Bob kind of... Hello, mm. Bart. You could have had him do a dueling Picard speech with Picard. Oh, that would have been good. Think about that. Dueling Picard speeches between them. I don't think any writer is good enough to do that. Don't need it. Let him let him go off script. Let him do it. Maybe. Uh, Here's what I would have liked to have seen. Prime Cisco in like the pure you betray your uniform kind of <laughs> rage. You betrayed against, your uniform. 
<laughs> against Picard. No, this far, no farther, kind of moment. Well, that that was an ab. That's an aberration. Oh, but the first duty of any Starfleet officer is to the truth. Is to the truth. Oh yeah, it's to the truth. You know, when you think about it, you rewatch the two scenes they do together in uh, Emissary. Emissary and. No, they don't have any other scenes, do they? No, it's just yeah, at the very beginning two. of Emissary and at the end of Emissary. I, I wish we saw... You know what? I understand why they didn't do it, but I, I wish we saw more picard Cisco interaction. They really would have... I, I would have loved to have seen those two powerhouses play off each other more. They didn't want Picard to overshadow Cisco in the early stages. and he didn't. He didn't get a chance to overshadow him. Cisco came in with like fucking swinging. <laughs> no, and then and then as Cisco became so great, I mean, I can understand why they didn't want to besmirch Picard's, you know, character with you know by being underwhelmed or overwhelmed by Cisco, you know. So, but you know what, Patrick Stewart's not that kind of shrinking violet. He would have been able to. He could have held his own. Shakespearean. If, He's Shakespearean. He could have held his own, but if man. You, when you saw less experienced actors like Aaron Eisenberg elevate his game in a head to head with Avery Brooks in that Nog scene. That was so good. That was so good. I love that scene. I'll rewatch that scene all the time. It's great. But I it, think we could all just, use more Nog. I could always use more Nog. So. I, one, one final note before we cut this off. I lost my microphone. Oh, good. <laughs> At least Q's plan to make sure Picard didn't end up alone didn't mean he had to shoehorn him into a relationship with Janeway, the other person he tormented ridiculously. Oh, God. Oh, God. That would have been terrible. But think of this. Jean-Luc Picard has interacted with more fellow Starship captains than any other. James T. Kirk, Benjamin Sisko, Catherine Janeway. He has had oh, you're right. With yeah. every single one of them. With main series, yes, of course, yes. Yep. You're correct. You're correct. Just All right, shall we, end, shall we end the episode with you being correct, E.T.? Shall we do that? <laughs> do you want to do that? Let's do that. On that note, with DT being correct. <laughs> hey, which is better than your usual, you're not wrong. So I you're will take correct. I'm not saying the other word here, but with you being correct, on that note, folks, you guys keep dreaming, we'll keep working. So long, everybody. I wish I had something other to say. It's really Star trek -y. We'll see you on the high ground, folks. You've always wanted to say something Star trek -y. You betrayed the podcast! There it is. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 
For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci for past episode information. 